The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by Professor Charles Telfer. For more information about this message or about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Let's continue standing and turn in God's Word, if you have a copy, to Deuteronomy chapter 33. Actually, I'd like to begin our reading in Deuteronomy 32, verse 48. It's a lengthy reading. I know most of us have been sitting this morning. If you're feeling particularly tired, you're welcome to sit. But let's stand for the reading of God's Word, shall we? Deuteronomy 32, beginning to read in verse 48. This is the word of the Lord. That very day the Lord spoke to Moses. Go up this mountain of the Abarim, Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab, opposite Jericho, and view the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel for possession, and die on the mountain which you go up, and be gathered to your people, as Aaron your brother died in Mount Hor and was gathered to his people, because you broke faith with me in the midst of the people of Israel at the waters of Meribah Kadesh, in the wilderness of Zin, and because you did not treat me as holy in the midst of the people of Israel. For you shall see the land before you, but you shall not go there into the land that I am giving to the people of Israel. This is the blessing with which Moses, the man of God, blessed the people of Israel before his death. He said, The Lord came from Sinai and dawned from Seir upon us. He shone forth from Mount Paran, He came from the ten thousands of holy ones with flaming fire at his right hand. Yes, he loved his people. All his holy ones were in his hand. And so they followed in your steps, receiving direction from you. When Moses commanded us a law as a possession of the assembly of Jacob. Thus the Lord became king in Yeshurun when the heads of the people were gathered, all the tribes of Israel together. Let Reuben live and not die, but let his men be few. Of this he said of Judah. Hear, O Judah, excuse me, hear, O Lord, the voice of Judah, and bring him in to his people. With your hands contend for him, and be a help against his adversaries. And of Levi he said, Give to Levi your Thumim and your Urim to your godly one, whom you tested at Massah, with whom you quarreled at the waters of Meribah. Who said of his father and mother, I regard them not. He disowned his brothers and ignored his children. For they observed your word and kept your covenant. They shall teach Jacob your rules and Israel your law. They shall put incense before you and hold burnt offerings on your altar. Bless, O Lord, his substance and accept the work of his hands. Crush the loins of his adversaries, of those who hate him, that they rise not again. Of Benjamin, he said, The beloved of the Lord dwells in safety. The high God surrounds him all the day long and dwells between his shoulders. And of Joseph, he said, Blessed by the Lord be his land with the choicest gifts of heaven above and of the deep that crouches beneath, with the choicest fruits of the sun and the rich yield of the months, with the finest produce of the ancient mountains and the abundance of the everlasting hills with the best gifts of the earth and its fullness, and the favor of him who dwells in the bush. 
May these rest on the head of Joseph, on the pate of him who is prince among his brothers. A firstborn bull, he has majesty, and his horns are the horns of a wild ox. With them he shall gore the peoples, all of them to the ends of the earth. They are the ten thousands of Ephraim, and they are the thousands of Manasseh. And of Zebulun, he said, Rejoice, Zebulun, in your going out, and Issachar in your tents. They shall call peoples to their mountain, where they offer, there they offer right sacrifices, for they draw from the abundance of the seas and the hidden treasures of the sand. And of Gad, he said, Blessed be he who enlarges Gad. Gad crouches like a lion. He tears off arm and scalp. He chose the best of the land for himself, for there a commander's portion was reserved. And he came with the heads of the people, with Israel. He executed the justice of the Lord, his judgments for Israel. And of Dan, he said, Dan is a lion's cub that leaps from Bashan. And of Naphtali, he said, Oh, Naphtali, sated with favor and full of the blessing of the Lord, possess the lake and the south. And of Asher, he said, Most blessed of sons be Asher. Let him be the favorite of his brothers, and let him dip his foot in oil. Your bars shall be iron and bronze, and as your days, so shall your strength be. There is none like God, O Yeshurun, who rides through the heavens to your help, through the skies in his majesty. The eternal God is your dwelling place, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And he thrust out the enemy before you and said, destroy. So Israel lived in safety. Jacob lived alone in a land of grain and wine, whose heavens drop down dew. Happy are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord, the shield of your help and the sword of your triumph. Your enemies shall come fawning to you, and you shall tread upon their backs. Thus far, the reading of God's word. Would you bow your hearts with me in prayer? Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, we have sung of your greatness and of your graciousness. And we have read of this example and these marvelous promises of your greatness employed in graciousness to us. Lord, we believe. Help us in our unbelief. Please take the promises of your word and please convince us of them more and more deeply. Lord, we have your word in our minds and in our backpacks. We ask that your word more and more would reside in the inner recesses of our minds and hearts. We pray, Lord, that the values of your word might become our values, that the, the things you call us to be afraid of might be the things that we are afraid of, that the, the, the callings that you place on us and the demands that you ask of us and the warfare that you, you call us to engage in, that we would willingly offer ourselves for that warfare and those challenges. Lord, stir us up, we pray, as your soldiers, as those engaged in the... Uh, uh, in the struggles of the kingdom of God. Lord, stir and help us, we pray, and, and strengthen our faith. We do believe. Help us in our unbelief. May your blessing be on our meditations today and our labors, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. It's difficult to choose texts 
for those of us in this, these faculty series because there's so many interesting things to talk about from Deuteronomy. I particularly like Deuteronomy 29, 29. I think that's probably the most practical text in the Bible for uh, doing pastoral counseling with people and worrying about uh, talking about guidance. I think it's a marvelous text. Uh, the whole question of tithing in chapter 14, also in chapter 26, would be a, a very interesting subject. I think the question of tithing is one that the evangelical church rather broadly is quite confused about. But I decided that I'd like to draw your attention for just a few minutes here to uh, Deuteronomy 33. I reflected on Deuteronomy 32 the last time I was with you in chapel and just continuing on right from where we stopped. In 32, we have Moses giving this song, teaching the people this word of rebuke that would remain echoing in their minds after he was dead to remind them of that tendency to go astray that's in their hearts, that's in our hearts. It's a word of a warning, a word of uh, law, we might say. But here, as he comes to his final word, we have a word of comfort. We have a word of gospel, encouragement, and affirmation, and wonderful promises. So with Moses, the last word is a word of grace. But when we look at chapter 32, we look, for, we look at uh, uh, verse 49, and particularly verse 50, it looks like the last word for Moses is hardly a word of grace. What does it say to him there? Go die. How's that for a final command? Go be gathered to your people. It's a remarkable thing. Moses seems to, uh, to have a rather severe uh, ending there. He's told to go up on the uh, Abarim uh, ridge. The Pisgah means ridge. He's the, the, the Pisgah uh, uh, series of these are high hills across from uh, Qumran. A number of you in Hebrew 3, we were looking at pictures of Qumran at the north end of Sea of Galilee. On the other side, on the Jordanian side, is these high mountains, and Nebo is the highest of those peaks there. I've never been there, but my son was there just recently, a couple weeks ago, as a matter of fact, and he was traveling by himself in Jordan, and uh, he walked up to uh, Mount Nebo and was right here where this uh, text takes place, and I had told him, I said, don't go down by the Dead Sea because that is a semi-militarized zone. But he disregarded what I had to say. And he went down the mountain and he got himself picked up by a Jordanian patrol. Uh, and uh, it all worked out well. And he made his way across the river into the promised land, into Canaan, which means into the West Bank. So all worked out well. But... Uh, Moses disregarded not a mere human father's advice, but he disregarded his heavenly father's command with the business of the striking of the rock. And so we, he's rebuked here. It says there that he broke faith with uh, God at Meribah. He did not treat God as holy, it says in verse 51. And the first thing that strikes me about this text in Deuteronomy 33 is the great contrast between the mediator of Israel and our mediator. The mediator of Israel is one who broke faith, but our mediator is one who never broke faith. He's described in Hebrews chapter 7 as one who is holy, innocent, and unstained. He's separate from sinners in their sinfulness, but he's not separate from us in our humanity, no. He's fully identified with us, he can fully, uh, because he's, he is pure, he's able to lay hold of God, 
but he's also identified with us in our humanity and fully able to lay hold of us and then to reconcile us and bring us together with God. We read about him in Philippians 2 that he took on a human form and humbled himself by becoming obedient, it says. Not breaking faith, but by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And if we look at uh, chapter 33 and these remarkable blessings, if so many blessings could come to God's people through a covenant-breaking mediator, through a sinful mediator like Moses, how much more blessings will come to us through a covenant-keeping mediator, through one who actually fulfilled all the requirements of righteousness and who earned at the cost of his own suffering and blood, who earned the blessings of God. Because you see, here in chapter 33, Moses is, even Moses himself receives a blessing. What's the blessing? What, what is the role of Moses that he's taking here in, verse, in chapter 33? Who else stands just before their death and who gives the blessing, right? The patriarchs. Moses here is being given the honor of being the father of the nation. And he, like Jacob, is giving a blessing on his descendants. He, uh, uh, like, uh, uh, like chapter 49, where Jacob gives a blessing on the 12 sons, he gives a blessing on the, the peoples of Israel and gives them rich, rich uh, blessings. Here in this text, we read not so much rebuke, as we saw in 32, but promise. We have, we have all these wonderful promises uh, that God gives to us, his people, because of uh, our, the great Savior, the greater Moses, our Lord Jesus Christ. So I'd like for you to consider with me one main point in the few minutes that we have uh, together. And that, is, and that is the main point here. And that is that the Lord places his strength at the service of your well-being. I'd like to repeat that again. The Lord places his strength at the service of your welfare, at the service of your well-being. Can you believe that? That's what I'd like to convince you of uh, this morning. This psalm, if I can call it that, starts by emphasizing, even as the hymn emphasized, not only God, it starts with God's greatness, right? God's greatness. Here we have God coming in a theophany. Now it's not, as we look at verse 2, and following in chapter 33. It's not so much the theophany of Sinai, we're accustomed to that, but it's the theophany from Sinai. That this, this God who comes in terrorizing splendor, who comes with these awe-inspiring heavenly beings that to look at them would, would put such fright in your mind, as Isaiah experienced in Isaiah chapter 6, that you would, fall, you would say that you are undone because of the, the, the amazing splendor and terrifying majesty just of the creatures, not of the invisible God. That he comes from Sinai uh, through the desert, and he is the one who's going to conquer the land. This is the strength of this particular God who is described here. And we see, his, we see him described at the end in 26. He is the one who rides through the heavens to the help of, of his people. He is an, an ish milchama, as he's described in, uh, in Exodus. He is a man of war. He is to engage in conflict on behalf of his people. 
And so this, this Yahweh of the celestial armies, this one who has all military ability, he has placed it at the benefit of his people. So let's take a look. Let's look at verse 7, for example. Uh, Judah. Judah. Now we're accustomed to thinking of Judah as the line through whom the, uh, the king will come. But Judah here is described as engaging in conflict. There's a lot of strife that must be engaged in before the king will come. And the promise is that God will strengthen Judah to engage in this particular conflict. Look at verse, uh, verse 20. Gad is described as a lion, another military image. Look at verse 22. Dan has the same description. Look at verse 17. Joseph is described as a bull, as a wild ox. He's capable of goring the people uh, all around. Now, for us who live in uh, this very peaceful, prosperous land, we've enjoyed a lack of uh, armed conflict in this zone here for over 150 years. We look, we hear these, these violent images and it makes us uncomfortable. How can we talk about God's blessing and then goring and things like that? But for many of our brothers and sisters throughout the world, that this talk of the, the power of God exercised in judgment against the wicked, this is very comforting. In our prayer group yesterday, in our prayer group in general, we've talked about, the, the, we, have, we have friends and acquaintances that are in, in incredible difficult circumstances. In the villages of northern Syria, where ISIS is coming and has, has taken over. These are people who, who, who are in desperate straits. Or in western China, we were discussing yesterday, that where the, the threat of persecution, of, of terrorism, on the part of uh, uh, insurgents and then of government crackdown on religion, uh, religion is, is very intense. And we're concerned, praying for a Christian sister there in, in, in western China. So, for, for people who are imprisoned for their faith, for, for people whose lives are, who are threatened, it is an immense comfort to know that there is, a, there is a commander over all commanders. There's a commandant over all commandants. Last weekend, I had the tremendous uh, honor, I won't go into details, but of, of greeting someone that I had known many, many years ago, uh, as a Christian leader, he's a pastor, and he has he is just recently released from prison. And I gave him a hug, and I said to myself, this man is skin and bones. And, and I was horrified to find out from his wife, he's gained 15 pounds of what he was before. That he, he was suffering just because he's a Christian leader, for no apparent reason. But what a comfort for him in the midst of all that to know there's one who holds the keys that when he opens, no one can shut. And when he closes, no one can open. That there is a king of, over all kings and a sheikh over all sheikhs. Here we see that God has placed his strength at the service of the well-being of his people. And let me note, just in passing, that there's, an, there's another particular honor that he gives. Did you notice the blessing that he gives to Levi? What's the blessing? The blessing is the ministry. The ministry. Now, there's, we don't have the ongoing uh, service of burning incense, referred to in verse 10, or of the making of animal sacrifices. But let me just say to you, if you are called to the ministry of the gospel, you are called to a great honor. 
this Levi is given a particular honor, and you're called to that same honor, it says there, that you are to teach Jacob God's rules and Israel uh, his law. And what an encouragement that in the, in the conflicts that you are engaging in and that you will inevitably engage in, that God will strengthen you in your conflicts. You're experiencing them even now in your preparation, I'm sure, that God will give you the strength and the victory that you might serve him in the ministry. Look with me briefly at uh, verses 13 through 17. This is a, a remarkable uh, display of a whole series of blessings that are placed at the, uh, on the head of Joseph. These are great blessings. Now, we here, uh, we will speak critically of the health and wealth gospel. And that's, that's very appropriate. The health and wealth teaching, as we heard from our brother Kiwanuka last week from Uganda, is, is cruel because it promises to uh, people things that uh, are, are unfair. And they, they find themselves cynical and uh, disappointed in Uganda and many places throughout the world where, where this kind of teaching is, is popular. But let us always remember, the health and the wealth preaching is mistaken not because it promises too much, but because it doesn't promise enough. Because it doesn't promise enough. All these blessings, these health and wealth blessings that we see promised on Joseph are for us. Are for us. Because God has promised to put all his ability and strength at the disposal of our well-being in the most complete sense. Our problem is that we judge the Lord by feeble sense, as the hymn puts it. And we believe, in the back of our minds, that God does not have our best interests at heart. That he's stingy, that he's mean, that he's tacaño, that he's, uh, he's, 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 he holds back good things from us, right? Um, and this is, it's, it's because of our, of our lack of, of belief. God wants us to, have the, uh, to embrace verse 29, look at that. This is the summary of the whole thing. How happy are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord. This is you, O Christian. You are a happy, blessed people. Right? You are blessed. It says of, uh, in, in Romans chapter 8, how can, what should you say? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him not give us all good things. He will give us all good things. He will provide for us. Look at verse 24. Here, it's using Asher as the final uh, example. And there's a little play on Asher's name, isn't there? Oh, Asher, it says there in verse 24. Asher, you are Asher, you are most Asher. What does Asher mean? Ashre, happy. Oh, happy are you happy. Right? So this is you, Christian brother. You are Asher. <laughs> this is you, Christian sister. You are Asher. You're blessed. You are blessed. You are Asher, indeed. Right? And will God not provide for you? Yes, he will. Will God not see you through the stresses of this, of this semester? Yes, he will see you through the stresses of this semester. When you face financial difficulties, is God going to abandon you to poverty and just leave you there? Is God going to just leave you in your sickness and difficulty? Does God not have your best interests at heart? He has your best interests at heart in this life and in that which is to come. He has your eternal welfare close to his heart. He cares for you. He loves you. 
and his hand is over every, every part of your life for blessing. Look at verse 27. Take this as a promise, brothers and sisters. It says there, the eternal God is your dwelling place. Is this the same word? I forget. We were talking in Hebrew class about bomb shelter in modern Hebrew being the word for dwelling place, right? He's your bomb shelter. That's, I know I'm anachronistically reading that back in, but he's your dwe- when, when the things go bad, he's there for you. And what? What's underneath your life? When you think that all the stability has gone out of your life, when you think that everything's out of control, what does it say? What arms are underneath you? It's the everlasting arms. The almighty arms. There, are, there is an infinitely able power that sustains your life in every aspect of it. Isn't that beautiful? Believe that, brothers and sisters. Don't doubt. Believe. Believe. And take, as a final promise for yourself, take verse 25. What a wonderful promise that as your days, so shall your strength be. God's promise that he will sustain you through the rest of this semester. As your days, whatever the demands of the day may be, so will your strength be. Amen. Let's conclude. Copyright 2015, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.